Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hey, what's going on? And welcome to Last Call with Ray Route. It is Friday, October 29th, 2021, and this is episode number four for you. Uh, I've got a pretty good show lined up for you. Uh, We're going to go through some stories and hopefully we're going to come away with some solid answers to some of the questions that people have been asking. Tonight, we're going to talk about the New England Patriots. We're going to talk about the Green Bay Packers, the Kansas City Chiefs, and the New York Jets. And we'll finish off with some Dallas Cowboys talk. What are we going to talk about? Well, I'm going to discuss whether or not I think that the Patriots can beat the Los Angeles Chargers this weekend. I'm going to explore whether or not we should consider the Green Bay Packers as the best team in the NFL. I'm going to address the question that a lot of people have. Are the Kansas City Chiefs done or are they going to make that playoff push? How deep can they go? I don't know how interested people outside of New York are going to be out this, but Mike White is making his NFL debut as a starter with the Jets this weekend. And After three and a half years in the NFL, what should we expect of him? And then I'm going to talk about the Cowboys, and I'm going to ask that tough question. Is it worth it to risk to start Dak Prescott this Sunday, or should they give him one more week to rest that calf? Now, before we really get going into the show today, I do want to address a couple of things. So Lane Johnson uh, just came out, talked to Jay Glazer, and was talking about his battle with depression and anxiety and all that kind of stuff. And for those of you who've been with me for a long time and know me, know that, well, in my real life outside of making sports content, I'm a social worker. I work with people who suffer with anxiety and depression all the time. And I see the heartache that it causes families, that it causes the people, that it it causes everybody. I also have a family member an immediate family member who obviously I I love who suffers with mental health and has suffered with mental health basically my whole life. And I decided that I wanted to address this tonight. I, I know I don't have a huge platform, but I have a platform and I do have people who listen to me. And I just want to remind you that if you're suffering with something, if You feel like you're alone or you don't feel like you have the support or you don't have people in your life who can, there's help. Look to the left, look to the right. Somebody out there will help you. Talk to a friend, talk to a family member. If you don't feel like you can talk to them, talk to a professional. There's people all over this world who are there to dedicate their life to you. And I just think, and we've seen a a lot of this, especially since COVID's come around, just People just suffering with depression and anxiety. And I want to make sure that you feel supported. There's help there. Don't don't go through this alone. Just a message I want to put out. There's nothing wrong with asking for help. We all need help in life. You know, I went through a tough time not long ago. And Connor and Ross, and I, I opened up to them. And they helped me through a very tough time in my life as I I battled just with 
my own sort of mental stuff. I was burnt out and I was burning the candle from both ends and it was starting to psychologically mess me up. And I reached out to people who care about me and, and they came through and I want you to reach out to people who cared about you and look for that help. I just wanted to put out that little PSA. Um, but I told you about the show. Uh, I'm sure you guys are eager for me to get started and just talk about football. First, I got to tell you, though, that last call with Ray Route is brought to you by Newsbreak. Over 1 billion users have downloaded the free Newsbreak app, getting access to all of their local news and content provided by Newsbreak. However, not only is Newsbreak one of my sponsors, I'm also a contributor for Newsbreak. In fact, I have been labeled a top contributor for Newsbreak covering the National Football League. So what are you waiting for? Download the free Newsbreak app with the link that I've left in the description. And guess what, guys? It directly supports the podcast. You want transparency? I'll give you transparency. Every time somebody downloads the Newsbreak app from the link that I left in the description, it directly puts money in my pocket. So download the app. Get unlimited free access for all of your local news and all of my NFL content while also supporting the channel. It's a win-win for everybody. So please take 30 seconds and download the Newsbreak app with the link that I've left in the description. So a couple of weeks ago, the New England Patriots head coach, Bill Belichick, said that the cornerback position is a confidence position. And the Patriots' number one corner, J.C. Jackson, is very confident. Even when New England's taking on one of, if not the best, offenses in the NFL when they visit Los Angeles and take on Justin Herbert and the Chargers this Sunday. Uh, the first article we're going to be exploring in this, um, uh, in this today is, comes from Chris Mason, where he highlights just how confident J.C. Jackson is. The Patriots got the upper hand on the Chargers the last time they played in a 45 to nothing blowout, and the Chargers remember it. But when you look at it, man, both the Patriots and the Chargers are not the same team that they were in 2020. 2021 is very different. The Los Angeles Chargers of 2021 are not the Chargers of 2020. And some of the players who were on the receiving end of that beatdown, well, they haven't forgotten what happened. In our second story, we're going to look at something that came from the Associated Price, and it highlights what Chargers met, remember about last season and what they plan on doing on Sunday. Chris Mason of Mass Live says, perhaps the league's most prolific young passer, Justin Herbert, has just 14 interceptions on his resume. One of them belongs to J.C. Jackson. Chase Winovich had one too. And it doesn't seem overly concerned with a matchup with the NFL's seventh-ranked passing offense, 282 point yards per game on Sunday afternoon at SoFi Stadium. Here's an exchange from this Thursday's press conference. Question, how big of a challenge is the passing game of the Chargers for your group, and what do you guys need to do to try to slow them down? Jackson said, quote, I mean, it's not really a big challenge. I mean, we've just got to do what we do best, play our football and trust each other and trust our teammates. For what it's worth, Jackson did have some real praise for uh, Allen's game. I feel like he's a great receiver, one of the top receivers in the game. I respect the guy, Jackson said. He's a great route runner, and he's... Uh, uh, he's a great run runner. He's slick with it and he's got hands. Now the Associated Press wrote that if most of the Los Angeles Chargers are trying to put last year's 45 to nothing loss to the New England Patriots behind them, cornerback Chris Harris Jr. has no intentions of letting that happen. I'm definitely reminding them. They kicked our butt last year. Remember that? Harris Jr. said on Thursday, they beat us really bad in all three phases. Everybody knows that and we're aware of what happened last year. And we need to try to stop them. 
because they're going to do the exact same thing to them, or they're going to be doing the exact same thing. Now, Staley's aggressive nature on both sides of the ball has translated to a 4-2 and two start. Los Angeles has three wins over teams that made the playoffs last season, but comes into a game off a bye in its worst game of the season, a 30-46 beat defeat at Baltimore on October 17th, where the Chargers were outplayed in all three phases. Patriots coach Bill Belichick is aware of the challenges that Staley can present. Four days after routing the Chargers, the Patriots took a 24-3 loss to the Rams when Staley was the defensive coordinator. Belichick said the Rams were the best defense he saw last season. So do the Patriots have a chance to beat the Chargers? You know, as a New England Patriots fan, I want to sit here and I want to beam with confidence and I want to say, yes, yes, they can beat the Chargers. I've seen some articles today and some some people predict that, yeah, man, the, the Patriots have what it takes to beat the Chargers. Belichick can coach the char- or coach to beat the Chargers. They have the talent. Everything's coming together. They beat down the New York Jets last week. This is a game that I've had circled on my calendar as a loss all season. Maybe I'm still underestimating what this Patriots team can do. Perhaps last week was the real coming out party for Mac Jones and co. Maybe this defense is coming back, or maybe they just played a really bad Jets team. However, I do not believe that the Patriots can beat the Chargers this weekend. That could make me a bad Patriots fan, I'm not sure, but I just don't see it. I just I don't see how they do it. I don't see the Patriots matching up just well against them. I think this is a good Chargers team. I think it's going to be very difficult for New England to try and stop them offensively. I think it's going to be hard to score points on them. So, yeah, man, I want to come here and I want to say the Patriots are going to win, but I still got the Chargers winning this weekend. I want to move on here. Most NFL teams preparing to face the only undefeated team in prime time on a short week would have had um, would have been good as dead if they were dealing with the amount of personnel issues that the Green Bay Packers were dealing with prior to their matchup against the Arizona Cardinals Thursday night. As Jordan Dejani covers, even though the Cardinals were able to push the game to the wire, the Packers were able to get the job done with the timely interception from a former Arizona practice squad player. And though the Packers walked away with the victory, they also walked away with a few injuries, including running back Kylan Hill. And the second piece that we're looking at in this video comes from Miles Sim, who explains just how serious Hill's injury is. Now, Jordan DeJani of CBS Sports writes, The Arizona Cardinals suffered their first loss of the 2021 regular season on Thursday night, falling to the Green Bay Packers 24-21. It was a game that came down to the wire and one that appeared that was headed to, at the very least, overtime. After the Cardinals' defense made a goal-line stand on one end of the field, Kyler Murray led the offense 94 yards down to the other end in just over three minutes to put Arizona in a position to tie the game with a field goal. With the Cardinals just five yards away from the from the end zone and 15 seconds left, head coach Cliff Clinsbury dialed up one last throw to potentially win the contest without needing overtime. What happened next was disastrous. Murray threw a pass to A.J. Green on the far right side of the field, but the wideout didn't see the ball coming. The Packers cornerback and former Cardinals practice squatter Rasul Douglas made a great play and picked off the pass to seal the victory for Green Bay. Now, Miles Simmons of NBC Sports Talk wrote that the scariest collision that resulted in two players being carted off the field on Thursday night was has resulted in one season-ending injury, according to NFL media's Tom Pelissero. Packers rookie running back Kylan Hill will be out for the rest of the year with a knee injury. Hill was returning a kickoff in the third quarter when Arizona's Jonathan Ward put his helmet into Hill's lower leg. 
Both players were injured on the play, and both players had to be carted off the field. Hill, a seventh-round pick in this year's draft, averaged 19.9 yards on the ten on ten kick returns. He also played 26 offensive snaps, recording 24 yards and 10 carries, along with a reception of five yards. So where do we rank the Packers amongst the top teams in the NFL? Because I think when we're looking at like who's the best in the league, Tampa Bay's got to be there, Dallas, Green Bay, obviously, the Rams, Arizona. You looked at the AFC that at the beginning of the year on paper looked like a way stronger division, way stronger than the NFC. Baltimore looks really, really good at times, but they're off. Kansas City's three and four. Pittsburgh looks abysmal. Cleveland looks massively disappointing. Tennessee's starting to come on, but we've seen them have some stinkers. Right? The Patriots, they're still rebuilding. The Buffalo Bills seem to be the only real team in the AFC, and they could very well be the best team in football right now, to be honest with you. I have a tough time putting the Packers at number one. And my top team in the NFL may surprise a lot of people. Like, you may just turn off this podcast right now when I give you my answer. But I truly think the most complete team in the league, it's not the Bills. It's not even the Rams. The most complete team in football is the Dallas Cowboys. If Dak Prescott can stay healthy... I mean, look what their offense has done without Michael Gallup. And he's back now. That defense, phenomenal. Special teams, phenomenal. Offense, phenomenal. I think the Packers are a good team. They've had one stinker this year against the Saints. Otherwise, they've won every game. Matt LaFleur is a special coach. What he pulled off Thursday night against Arizona, phenomenal. He made Arizona look a little bit human. He probably knocked Arizona, who was pretty close to number one on my power rankings, down a couple of notches. But if you wanted me to rank the best teams in the league, to be real, the teams that I think I would fear having to play in the playoffs or in the Super Bowl right now, Dallas Cowboys is number one. I have the Rams as number two. I have the Bucks as number three. I have the Bills as number four. I have the Packers as number five. And I have Arizona as number six. I'm not scared to play Baltimore. I'm not scared to play Kansas City. I'm not scared to play the Saints. Vikings? No, not really. Where does the fear come from? I mean, there's some really good teams, but I, it's, to me, like the Packers are, are actually like round fourth, right? I think they're a good team. What's really phenomenal, though, is how many NFC teams there are, considering we thought it was going to be an AFC blasting. But so much disappointment in the AFC. Packer fans might be mad. Other fan bases might be mad. But that's how I rank my power rankings. I'm sorry. If you don't like it, stop listening. Uh, look, in a way, the Kansas City Chiefs somewhat resemble the former New England Patriots. Okay, Kansas City is off to a 3-4 and four start. They sit near the bottom of the AFC West, and they need to leapfrog three other teams to secure a, that seventh playoff spot. Why do they resemble the old Patriots? Because it's still difficult to really count the Chiefs out. No matter how bad it's looking, 
You can't count them out. In the first article that we're looking at, Dom Constantino asks a question, are the Chiefs that bad or are they ready to make another big playoff run in 2021? And when you think of the leadership of football team, you have to assume that the quarterback position is probably the most important position, not just on the field, but in the locker room as well. And the second piece that I'll be sharing with you comes from Kevin Patara of NFL.com. And he highlights how Patrick Mahomes has taken accountability and has told his Chiefs teammates that he needs to play better. But before we do that, and before we get into that, I need to tell you that I appreciate everybody who listens to the podcast and watches my YouTube videos and tunes into the live shows, all that stuff, etc. You guys are amazing. But if you really want to get the full Ray Road experience, the only way to do that is to come on over to Patreon and join the loyalty club. Uh, I'm not looking to get rich off this. I have one tier. It's five bucks a month. That's it. And when you join me on Patreon, you get four exclusive videos per week that the Patreon members uh, dictate the content. I'm also on camera. There's no overlays or anything like that. You get two exclusive live streams per month. And in those live streams, I drop a link. It's a StreamYard link for those of you who know what StreamYard is. And you get to hang out with me on the screen, chat with myself, chat with other Patreon members. We also have buddies of mine like Connor and Lawrence who pop by and say hello on those live chats. I know Lawrence is coming next Friday. Connor's going to do his best to come next Friday. So come check out the Loyalty Club by click, clicking the link I've left in the description or by going to www.patreon.com slash Sports. Here's the best part. Patreon collects payments on the first of every month. So get all the content for free, and then you can decide whether or not you want to continue paying for it. You can just unsubscribe. It's that easy. So come check out what I'm doing on Patreon. Click the link in the description or just type in www.patreon.com slash Sports. Come join us on Discord. Come join the Patreon group chats that we have. We got a lot of cool stuff going on. Come check us out over there. Come see me on Patreon. Click the link below. So Dom Constantino of The Score wrote that ever since Patrick Mahomes took over as the Kansas City's Chiefs starting quarterback in 2018, the Chiefs have had an air of inevitability above them. That hasn't been the case this season. The Chiefs are 3-4 and four and coming off the worst loss in the Mahomes era, a thrashing at the hands of the Tennessee Titans. And though and through, through as, and though it, it's a 27-3 score, in the, and, and as thorough, sorry, that was as thorough as the 27-3 score indicates. Kansas City has one of the league's worst defenses, and it's also tied for last in turnover differential. And the regular, when, if the regular season ended today, the Chiefs would have to leapfrog three other clubs just to be the AFC's final playoff qualifier. According to StatHead, just 17.9% of teams that start the season three and four since 1990 made the playoffs. The NFL added a seventh postseason spot in each conference last year, but the odds were still stacked against the Chiefs. Is Kansas City really this bad, or is this just a speed bump and route to another deep playoff run? It'll get harder before it gets easier, to be honest. After Monday night's home game against the New York Giants, the Chiefs have to face Derek Carr, Aaron Rodgers, and Dak Prescott in successive weeks. Then things ease up a bit in a lot of ways. And the Mahomes and the offense are still humming. There are still 10 games to go, and if KC can cut down on the turnovers, it can still keep up with a lot of teams. That air of inevitability remains difficult to resist, and it's really tough to count the Chiefs out until they're out. 
Now, following their three-point outing against the Tennessee Titans in Week 7, Patrick Mahomes said that he stood up in front of his teammates and he blamed himself for the offensive issues in recent weeks. Quote, you, can't, you can just watch the tape and know that I need to play better in order to have success, Mahomes said Thursday via ESPN. There were plays where guys were open to. There were plays where we had matchups down the field that I didn't hit, that I usually give those guys opportunities to make plays. Outside of last week's dud, the Kansas City Chiefs offense continues to move the ball with seeming ease, but turnovers have killed them. KC's 17 giveaways this season are the most in the NFL and tied for the second most through seven games in franchise history. It's the only, it's only season with more through seven games was in 2012 with 25. And when the Chiefs finished 2-14 and 14 and subsequently hired Andy Reid. Mahomes already has more interceptions, 9, and total giveaways, 11 in seven games in 2021 than he did in 16 games in either of his last two seasons. And with the defense struggling to make plays, the Chiefs' offense is under pressure to put up points, knowing that has led to some Mahomes' forced passes, which has led to turnovers. So are the Chiefs done, or do you expect them to make a playoff push? And this is what I'm really interested in. I can't wait to see the comments, especially on YouTube, about whether you believe the Kansas City Chiefs are done or not, or whether you think they're a legitimate playoff team. At the very top of this, before I cut the break, I talked about how they reminded me of the old New England Patriots. Now I'm trying. I'm really struggling to try to remember when the Patriots were three and four. You know, with Tom Brady as their quarterback, I can't remember in 2008 if they hit three and four. I just can't remember. But it's tough to look at the talent that. Kansas City has and believe that they're out, right? This has to be a team just like the old Patriots that until they are mathematically out of the playoffs, you have to count them in, right? Like, would we put it past this Kansas City team to just go on a 10-game win streak right now? Remember a few years ago when I look at the Packers right out of the playoffs and Aaron Rodgers came and said they were going to run the table and make the playoffs and they did? Now, does that mean they're going to have a, a it may be a playoff push, but does that mean they're going to have a deep run into the playoffs? I'm sorry, Chiefs Kingdom, but I just, this team just has too many problems in my eyes. They really do. And I think that that defense isn't good enough. I don't think the offensive line's been good enough. Joe Tooney is not performing outside of New England. To me, Joe Tooney is just another example of another Patriots offensive lineman who can't perform once he leaves New England. He goes out and makes big, big money and isn't the guy he was when he was with the Patriots. Say love you on that, though. So, yeah, man, I'm sorry. I don't see them as a play. I, I see them as, a, as, as, I still see them as playoff contenders, but I don't see them as Super Bowl contenders. Let me know what you guys think. I'm really interested. But we got to move on here. Because the New York Jets haven't been winning football games, even with a brand new coach and a brand new quarterback. Heading into week eight, facing off against the AFC North division leaders and up-and-comers Cincinnati Bengals, the Jets will be without their rookie quarterback, the turnover machine, Zach Wilson. And now it appears that Mike White, who will be making his first NFL start of his career, will be without the Jets' big-ticket free agent wide receiver, Corey Davis. Now, the first story I'm going to look at comes from Jordan uh, Dijani that breaks down that the, uh, what the Jets head coach, Robert Sala, had to say about the injury. 
And then Mike White has been in the NFL for three and a half seasons, and he's excited about finally getting a chance to start an NFL game. The Jets believe that White has stayed prepared enough that New York doesn't have to narrow the playbook. However, in the second article I'll be examining, comes from Mark W. Sanchez, it lays out that this is White's first and only chance to prove that he belongs in the NFL, especially with Joe Flacco now in that locker room. But Jordan DeJani says of CBS Sports writes, the New York Jets won't have quarterback Zach Wilson on Sunday for their matchup against the Cincinnati Bengals, and it now appears that they won't have wide receiver Corey Davis either. Davis popped up on the injury report on Thursday afternoon with a hip injury and was a limited participant. On Friday morning, Jets head coach Robert Salas said that, quote, it's not looking good. NFL's media Ian Rappaport reports that Davis suffered a hip flexor issue. Salah says that this could give Denzel Mims, Elijah Moore, and Keelan Cole an opportunity to step up in the receiving game and help new quarterback Mike Wilson. Salah also reiterated, sorry, Salah also reiterated that he have, have also reiterated that they have not ruled out Davis just yet. The former number five overall pick in the 2017 NFL draft out of Western Michigan had a career year with the Tennessee Titans in 2020 as he caught 65 passes for 984 yards and five touchdowns. That campaign brought him some attention in in the open market this offseason, and he was able to cash in with the Jets. The injury will be something to monitor moving forward, and Salah didn't directly answer if this is an issue that could cause Davis to miss more than one game. Now, Mark W. Sanchez of the New York Post wrote that This might be it for Mike White in three and a half seasons in the NFL. He has never had a start. He hadn't seen a minute until Zach Wilson went down with a knee injury last week. Next week, Joe Flacco is expected to be ready to play until Wilson is ready to return. With this narrow pocket of time sits White, the starting quarterback for the Jets. Quote, I'm starting an NFL game, White said Thursday after practice, so that's pretty freaking cool. White did not play a snap for Dallas before getting waived in 2019, and the Jets signed him for the first time. They have signed him 11 times since, either to the practice squad or the active roster because they have continually waived him off the active roster to clear space. No suitor emerged for the brief free agent, so White would sign back with the Jets' practice squad. And because White was has remained prepared, there has not been any narrowing of the playbook. Quote, we see quality in hymns that are similar to Zach, and he can stand in there and throw it, uh, Kavanaugh said. He can make quick decisions, he's got accuracy, and he's got the starting job on Sunday. And when the Bengals visit MetLife Stadium, quote, there's been a lot of ups and downs, White said, of, of his career, but I think personally I'm proud of how I handled it and per- persevered and kept coming to work uh, and working my tail off to get better and put myself into this situation. So how far... How far away are the Jets from being a competitive team in the NFL? I know I was going to talk about Mike White, but how far away are the Jets from being a competitive team in the NFL when we think about it? They don't remind me of the Cincinnati Bengals last season. Like, they don't remind me of the team that... Because what you're seeing with the Bengals, with Joe Burrow, it's like he's had another year, they had another player. You're starting to see that team start to click. I think like the New England Patriots are closer to Cincinnati and that the Patriots, I'm not saying they're going to be leading the AFC East next year. The competition's a little bit stiffer with the Buffalo Bills there, but they, they could be fighting with them. 
some of these games that were losses for New England this year could be wins. But the Jets, I I don't see it. And I'm not saying this because I'm a Patriots fan. A lot of you know I work for Newsbreak now. I cover the entire NFL. I'm trying to be objective when I talk. I'm not trying to come at it from a fan perspective. But to me, and I could be wrong, but I think this Jets team is a lot further away from being bad than being good than a lot of people really believe. Now maybe Zach Wilson turns it around and I'm just a moron. I can, I can, I can live with that. I can admit stupidity, but we got to see. All right, let's get into our last subject here. Dak Prescott injured his calf on the final day of the Dallas Cowboys overtime win over the new England Patriots week six. And, Up until this week, Mike McCarthy and Dak Prescott have been very positive about the calf, and it was believed that Prescott would be able to go when the Cowboys faced the Minnesota Vikings this Sunday. Now, Dak is still confident that he feels good and and will play on Sunday. However, the first article we'll be looking at today from Kai Marari lays out that even though Dak thinks he's good enough to go, Prescott also acknowledges that it's not totally up to him. The Cowboys, however, aren't just their quarterback. Dallas has a great offense and a great defense, and they got the job done on special teams. And Jerry Jones done a great job putting a team together and putting together a great complete roster. Second story we're going to be looking at comes from Todd Brock, and he talks about rookie Mackay Parsons and how he's not just satisfied with team wins and how he's striving to contribute to the Cowboys more. Now, I am slowly running out of time, so I may have to skip the Mackay Parsons article i apologize but kyle marari of the score wrote that dallas quarter dallas cowboys quarterback dak prescott is confident that he'll play sunday against the minnesota vikings but he's still waiting on a green light from the club quote i want to play just because i want to be out there and help my team prescott said on thursday according to usa today's jory epstein quote obviously missing the time that i did last year was no fun but Knowing we're a contender and can grow, I can understand the big picture. Prescott is dealing with a calf strain that has limited his participation at practice over the last two weeks. The ailment reportedly won't cause Prescott to miss any games, but the Cowboys have yet to confirm that the signal caller status for Sunday night football Sunday night football following their bye week. Quote, it's not fully my decision because there's a bigger picture, the two-time Pro Bowler said. According to the Dallas Morning News' Michael Glecken, Prescott, 28, has put himself in early MVP conversation, is on pace for a career year. He's completed 73.1% of his pass attempts while tossing 16 touchdowns against only four interceptions through six starts. So should the Cowboys risk starting Dak Prescott on Sunday? I've already said that I believe the Dallas Cowboys are the best team in the NFL. I can't remember which reporter said it, but he nailed it on the head when he said, if you start Dak Prescott this Sunday, and he, if you don't, sorry, if you don't start Dak Prescott this Sunday and you lose, your season isn't over. If you start him, and he aggravates that calf injury even more. Your season is as good as dead. And maybe that's a little dramatic. I don't know. But the Cowboys are what? Six and one now? 
There's nobody in the division, Philly, Washington, New York, that are going to test them for the NFC East. Obviously, Dallas is going to be competing. They're going to be competing for that coveted buy. However, I'm not entirely sure that it's worth the risk. I'm not sure it's worth risking Dak Prescott for one game against Minnesota when the long-term picture is you have an opportunity to compete for a Super Bowl this year. And we've seen the, I mean, look, I'm a Patriots fan. Trent Brown hasn't played since week one because of his calf injury. And if it's getting better and better and better and one more, you know, one, missing one game would have him prepared to start next week and start the rest of the season. I don't see why you would take that risk. I really don't. Again, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm being too cautious. I'm just, but I'm just being real. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in to the last call with Ray Route. I hope that you got your football fix for the day. Uh, make sure that you come back next Monday, November the 1st at 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, where I break down everything happening around the NFL. Uh, don't forget on Monday as well to check out my interview on YouTube with my former broadcast partner, Connor Carney. Uh, I'm sure we're going to want to discuss the Patriots game, and hopefully we'll be discussing a Patriots win over the Chargers. Enjoy your weekend. Uh, if you're looking to get more of my content over the weekend, you can find me over on Newsbreak. Enjoy the games this weekend. And remember, guys, you're all legit, kid. Do, did, will. The Story of People podcast is now available on the Crier Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks undercurrent podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Crier Media Network. Come on, let's go to the Blue Hotel. The podcast that goes everywhere the imagination dares. It's for the open-minded, the pleasure seeker. It's Jeff Woods with the new podcast about relationships and sexuality, theme-based with special guests, the Blue Hotel Hotline, and every episode climaxes with an adult bedtime story. Get a room and listen in at the Blue Hotel. Begins Friday, September 23rd.